Good morning, Cornerstone. It appears that we have entered another lockdown. But it doesn't stop us from being able to hear together from God's Word. I'm continuing our series from the book of Timothy, looking today at Timothy chapter 4. Uh, please have your Bibles open as we look at this passage together. I will read that out for us now. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, and this is God's Word. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and a view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations and your hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the coat that I left with Carpus at Troas. And my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May I not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Anesiphorus. Aristus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as um, I do this recording on a Friday afternoon, and as your church cornerstone hears this, on a Sunday morning. Our Father, we pray that as uh, we hear your word preached now, Lord, that even though this is happening days apart, we pray that your spirit would still be mightily at work. Father, we pray that 
as I preach your word, that you would be continuing to work powerfully. And Father, I pray, be with me, your servant, as I preach 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever seen a ministry just die? That due to lack of resources or people or even energy that the ministry just ceased? I remember during my time as the student minister at Cornerstone Strathfield. Uh, this was the church that I was part of while at Bible College in Sydney. And it was also the church that Mark Powell was the minister. During one of our gatherings, I remember Mark saying from the pulpit, and his message was concerning sea kids. Uh, that's what Sunday school was called. And he said something to this effect. Sea kids will be on hiatus until further notice. Unfortunately, due to the lack of leaders, we cannot continue running this ministry at the expense of the existing ones. If anyone is interested in getting involved in this ministry, please make yourself known to our Sea Kids leaders. But until such a time, there will be no more Sea Kids. I know here at Cornerstone Hobart, ministries have gone on hiatus for a time. Some ministries have ceased because no one was there to continue on in the ministry. And it's a sad thing to see when a ministry just ends. Unfortunately, unless someone is there, unless someone is passionate about that particular ministry, if no one is there to pick it up, well, it'll just fold like a house of playing cards. In many ways, friends, every ministry needs to have someone to keep it going. Someone to receive the baton. Someone to keep the race going. Perhaps like me, you've been told that the Christian life is like a race. But what type of race? I've heard it described like a marathon many times. That it's like a long running race lasting kilometers and kilometers. That the Christian life is not like a sprint, but a really long race. It's a marathon. And Christians aren't because it's not a sprint, Christians aren't to run this race really hard and then just stop. Just switch off and say, I'm taking a breather and putting my relationship with Christ on hold. A Christian, don't fall into that temptation. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. The Christian life requires slow and steady endurance. And the Christian life is filled with hardships. Uh, spiritual walls, spiritual walls that need to be broken through or overcome. And the Christian life will include temptations, it will, it will include trials, even suffering. Uh, there will be highs, but there will also be plenty of lows. And I want, while I want to affirm, friends, that the Christian life is like a marathon, I also want to say it's like a relay race. For those unfamiliar with a relay race, a relay race is a race run by four runners and each one must sprint a hundred meters. But between the four runners, a baton must be carried and it must be passed on from one runner to the next. The baton must be there at the start of the race and it must be there at the end of the race. 
So the Christian life is like both a marathon and a relay race. It's a long race that will have many trials and many hardship, but will also require passing on a ministry or passing on the teachings of God's word to someone else. Colin Marshall, in his book, Passing the Baton, said, After the gospel itself, the greatest need of the Christian church is to keep finding and training people who will faithfully teach the Bible to both Christians and non-Christians. In other words, the means in which the gospel goes out are the structures we have. And these structures need to be continued, need to be upheld. The church needs to have these structures in place to help facilitate gospel growth. Just as a vine needs a trellis to grow, the gospel needs church structures to help facilitate gospel growth. And here in our letter, Paul understands that his race is coming to an end. And so he exhorts Timothy to take up the baton and keep running the race. In our passage today, we have the following three points. Point one, the passing of the baton. Point two, allies and adversaries. And point three, the great running mate. Let's get into our first point. Our first point, the passing of the baton. Throughout this letter, Paul has been exhorting Timothy to keep going, to fan and to flame the gifts that he has been given, to remember that Christ is empowering and strengthening him, and that the Spirit is at work in Timothy's life. Paul has said to Timothy again and again to entrust this message, the one that he has received, entrusted to faithful people who can teach others about what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. Paul exhorts Timothy, keep reminding God's people the hope that they have in Christ. So Paul, having given these exhortations to Timothy, then gives this charge. Have a look with me at verses 1 and 2. Paul says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Paul is saying here that until Christ returns, God's word needs to be made known. The word must be preached. God's word must be shared and encouraged with both the with the Christian and God's word still needs to be made known to those who have not yet heard it. In chapter 3 Paul mentioned to Timothy that during these last days there will be hardships and terrible times. And in these last days between the first coming and second coming of Christ God's word must be declared. Paul is saying that until Christ returns, and he says that when Christ returns, he will judge the living and the dead. Uh, The living and the dead here is referring to all humanity. That every person since creation, Christian and non-Christian alike, all will be judged before Christ. And the judgment is this. 
that all those whom Christ has died for, those who are united to Jesus in his death resurrection, they will be judged having had their sins paid for by Jesus through his death on the cross. However, those whose sins have not been paid for, Jesus will judge them and he will declare them guilty and sentence them to the second death, to hell. But Paul says, until such a time when Christ returns and he does these things, he says to Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word in all seasons. Preach in all circumstances. Preach the word in times of prosperity, but also preach the word in times of persecution. And he says to Timothy, as you preach God's word, correct people, rebuke people, and encourage them, and do this with all patience and careful instruction. This means, this means that as you go and declare the good news of Jesus to both the Christian and the non-Christian, as you correct and warn people against false teaching, as you warn people about the traps and snares of the devil and of the world, Paul says, keep encouraging the Christian to fix their eyes on Jesus and the hope that is stored up for them. Encourage them. Tell them about the crown of righteousness. And he tells Timothy, do this especially in the midst of trials and temptations. Speak to everyone with faith, love, and peace. And Paul says to, to Timothy, do this. Do this even when it's hard. Because in these last days, it won't be pretty. It will be very difficult. Have a look with me at verses 3 and 4 and what Paul says here. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. During these last days... Uh, the truth will be suppressed. A few weeks ago, and I mentioned this also in last week's message, that we had the Truth of It event hosted by the Australian Christian Lobby. And Martin Isles talked about how there is currently in our society an increasing suppression of the truth. That this suppression is no longer happening in the public square. It's happening out here in the private sphere. In other words, the suppression of the truth will always lead to a greater suppression of the truth. That people will want to surround themselves with those who will satisfy what their itching ears want to hear. Until it appears that their teaching is the only one out there. And the teaching that ACL warned us against is cultural Marxism. Cultural Marxism is just one movement that is seeking to suppress the truth. And I'm not going to get into cultural Marxism here. But for those who would like to know more about cultural Marxism, uh, Martin Isles wrote this short little book right here. And if you ask Martin Webb, our life and family advocate worker, he has a number of these copies to give away. But friends, today it's cultural Marxism. Uh, yesterday it was something completely different. And tomorrow it could be something different yet again. But no matter the false teaching, no matter the myth, no matter what people are desiring to hear, 
What does Paul tell Timothy to do? He says again, keep preaching the word. And as you see these happening, things happening, as you see the truth being suppressed, when things get frustrating or scary, when things get overwhelming and it may be just too much, Paul says to Timothy in verse 5, keep a steady head. Don't lose control. Remain clear-headed and do this in all situations. And friends, we know what it's like to see a Christian when they lose their call and when they act out in anger. Uh, Paul says to us, keep a level head. Don't act out in anger. Just keep focused on preaching the word with love, faith, and peace. During hardships and persecutions, keep focus on preaching the word. Keep fulfilling your calling and exercising the gifts that God has given you. And here Paul is saying to Timothy, I need you. I need you to keep going. I need you to keep running the race. I need you to take this baton that I'm passing on to you. Uh, why is Paul wanting to pass this baton on to Timothy? Well, he sees that his race is coming to an end. Look now at verses 6 to 8 and what Paul says. Paul says to Timothy, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Uh, Paul is saying to Timothy, my time is coming to an end. I'm about to die soon by my Roman captives. And as Paul anticipates his end, he recounts how he has been a faithful soldier to Christ. That he has fought the good fight. He has been faithful in battle. He has remained disciplined. And he sees that his race is coming to an end. Despite temptations, despite hardships that have come Paul's way, he has kept the faith. And then he speaks of... The his reward. He speaks of the reward that he will receive. The knowledge that when he stands before Christ, that on that faithful day he will stand before Jesus not condemned. He will stand before Jesus justified by Jesus, justified by Jesus' work on the cross. And he will be undoubtedly met with those wonderful words. Wonderful words by our Lord and Savior Jesus, who will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come, join in your master's happiness. I don't know about you, Cornerstone, but this is a day I long for. And not just me, not just the Apostle Paul, but all those who belong to Jesus long for that day. Every Christian here, every Christian here watching longs for that day. They long for the day when Jesus will return, when he will usher in his kingdom. And we, his people, will enjoy the reward that he has secured for each and every one of his followers. The victory over sin, the end of the suffering, and the receiving of the hope of eternal life. However, until that day, until that day when the Lord Jesus returns, the race must go on and the baton 
must be passed on. Paul now gives his baton to Timothy. The passing of the baton is something that each of us need to do. Just as Elijah gave his cloak to Elisha, the cloak uh, was the uniform of the prophet, and the giving of the cloak to Elisha was Elijah's way of passing on the baton, that Elisha would now be the prophet of Israel. And Paul is doing the same here. He is now giving the baton to Timothy. And as Paul gives the baton to Timothy, he tells Timothy that the race will have ups and downs. And this leads to our second point. Point two, allies and adversaries. Every race that is run has its difficulties. It has its hardships. For a marathon, it is the distance and our own endurance. In a relay race, the biggest hurdle is the handover of the baton. A smooth handover will make for a smooth race. However, a sloppy handover or a fumble could mean absolute disaster. Uh, such a thing happened this year for the American uh, men's relay race team. A sloppy exchange led them to miss the finals. Uh, every race has difficulties. Every race has hardships. What about our race? What about the Christian race? Well, in this race, there will be help and hardships, allies and adversaries. And Paul says all this will come in the form of people. Let's look at the people which Paul mentions in verses 9 to 15. Here in these verses, Paul shares some of the hardships. And the first hardship is that Paul has been completely abandoned. He tells us that Demas has deserted him. We are told that Titus and Crescens have gone off. Paul then speaks about a great hardship that he has experienced at the hand of Alexander, the coppersmith. He says in verse 14 that Alexander has done him great harm. One commentator, Andreas Kostenberger, suggests that this Alexander may be the reason why Paul is in prison. That this Alexander arranged for Paul, while he was in Troas, to be captured and quickly sent off to Rome. And such an ordeal has left Paul without a cloak, without his books, without his parchments. Paul asks Timothy for these comforts if his trial is delayed. For they will provide a much needed relief, a much needed comfort, especially his cloak in the anticipation of winter. In our Christian life, friends, we are to expect hardships. We are to expect hardships will come our way. That there will be people who will leave us and people who will turn on us. As Paul said to us in chapter 3, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The Christian can expect hardships. We should expect hardships. However, there will also be help. And Paul expresses the help he has received in the form of allies. And Paul mentions in these verses Luke and Mark, co-workers in his ministries. He also mentions the help he has received from his beloved companions in verses 19 to 20. It is thus an encouragement, friends, that help will come in the form of people. And these are the people that we will find in church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember when I first became a Christian, 
and someone told me this great encouragement. He said to me that when Christ saved us, he not only gave him himself, but Christ also gave us the church. It is our brothers and sisters around us who will be our companions, who will be our allies, who will help us navigate the trials and temptations that will come our way, the sufferings and the hardships, and even the persecutions. They will be our help. They will be our allies. Here in church, you will find brothers and sisters around you, allies and companions to help you out. There is always... And there is always one ally, one ally that Paul wants to mention that we can depend on. And this leads to our third point now. Point three, the great running mate. The Christian race will get very difficult. We may even hit a wall and where things look rather hopeless and grim. And Paul wants to give one great encouragement to Timothy as Timothy now receives the baton. It is the encouragement that Jesus will be there with you. He will run this race with you. Paul says in verse 16 that everyone at his first trial deserted him. But there was one. There was one who remained. Have a look at verses 17 and 18 with me. Paul says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me great strength. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says here that even when he was deserted by everyone at his first trial, the Lord... The Lord Jesus stood by him. The Lord gave him strength. The Lord put words into his mouth so that he could speak the gospel to those who were there. And Jesus has given us this promise also, friends. That when we stand before judges, that Jesus will be with us. In the Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus, and the first book in the New Testament, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10. He says, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given, at that time, you will be given what to say. For it will be not, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Friends, Jesus will help us to help us to speak and he will be with us. He will also be the one who will help us and give us strength. Paul recounts that Jesus has rescued him from every attack. And this is not necessarily saying that every time the Christian ends up in trouble, gets persecuted or ends up in prison, that Jesus will just break them out. Or that he will supernaturally rescue them. If that were the case, Paul would not be in prison as he writes this letter to Timothy. So what then does Paul mean when he says the Lord has rescued me from every attack? This is a promise that Jesus will be there. He will be there for the Christian no matter the hardships. He will help them to persevere until the very end, until the Lord Jesus returns 
where he calls us home. So as Paul sits in his prison cell, knowing that he is about to be executed, he says, Jesus has rescued me from every evil attack. He has preserved me by strengthening me and helping me fix my eyes on the hope that I have, the hope that he has given me. And Paul's comfort is knowing that when he dies, he will go to be with the Lord Jesus, that he will be with Jesus in his heavenly kingdom. Uh, this is such comforting words to us, that no matter what happens, Jesus will not leave us. I remember once hearing a pastoral encounter, and it involved a girl sharing with her pastor about the terrible breakup she had, that she had just broken up with her boyfriend, and that it was yet another story to add to her existing stories of betrayal and mistrust against men. And the pastor said that it was so hard and so saddening to hear that she has been let down yet again. That another man has hurt her. But then she was told warmly of the one man that will never let her down. She was told that Jesus is the man who will never let you down. Jesus is the man who will never betray you. Jesus is the one who will always be there for you. He will hold you close. So in your time of hurting, she was told, go to Jesus, find comfort in him, draw closer to him. When Jesus calls us, when he calls us to run this race, the race will be met with hardships. There will be great difficulties. Walls, we will meet walls that will need to be broken through or overcome. And we can do this because Jesus will be our strength. He will run the race with us. I often remember warmly the poem, Footprints in the Sand. Perhaps you've heard this poem also. The poem is a story about Jesus walking with us throughout our life. And in the poem, the person complains to Jesus when he notices that at one point there is just one set of footprints in the sand rather than the two. And he realizes that the single pair of footprints was during the most difficult times in his life. And so he goes to Jesus, he complains to Jesus, why, why during the most difficult times in my life does it appear that I walked alone? To which Jesus responds to this person, it was during those times that I carried you. It was during those times that I carried you. Christian, it's during those hard times that we go through when Jesus says to us, now I am carrying you. I am bearing you. I am holding you up. And I think often when I go through struggles or low points, that would, that's what Jesus does for me. He holds me up. He carries me. He empowers me and helps me to go on. He does this through his spirit working in us. Perhaps you have felt this too. That during our low points, Jesus carries us. He empowers us. And it's a wonderful comfort that when Jesus that Jesus is with us every step of our Christian walk. Jesus runs with us as we run this race. 
And this is Paul's great comfort as his race is coming to a close, that Jesus has been with him. And Jesus is still with him, even in that prison cell. And it's with this encouragement that he passes the baton on to Timothy. To take the baton and to take this comfort that Jesus will be with him as he runs the race. And that Jesus will carry him through those hard times. That Jesus will be the great running mate for us. I want to end with this. Every Christian has a baton. And this baton needs to be passed on. As Colin Marshall said, after the gospel itself, the greatest need of the Christian church is to keep finding and training people who will faithfully teach the Bible to both Christians and non-Christians. Friends, if you're wondering how you can help carry the baton and contribute to the ministries of Cornerstone, can I encourage you to ask how you can serve? Speak to those who are in those ministries. Ask how you can get involved. Uh, details of who to ask can be found on the back of our corner post. God has given gifts to each of us. So if you have gifts with technology, there is data, sound, or live streaming. If you have gifts in music, why not join one of our music teams? If you have gifts with youth or children, consider becoming a youth leader or a corner pebble teacher. We need leaders in both these ministries. Uh, there are plenty of ministries here in Cornerstone, and perhaps as you serve, as you serve in one area, you may free up someone else to serve in another area. Friends, we don't ever want to get caught in a situation of the baton falling, and a ministry here in Cornerstone um, ceasing or going on hiatus. So prayerfully consider how you can serve at Cornerstone, and if you have multiple gifts, serve in a variety of areas. There are many people in this church who are serving in multiple ministries. The batons we carry, friends, are the structures that provide gospel growth. Colin Marshall and Tony Payne, in their book, The Trellis and the Vine, share that if we want gospel growth, we need to have good structures in place. And this is what they say. The basic work of any Christian ministry is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the power of God's Spirit, and to see people converted, change and grow in maturity in the gospel. That's the work of planting, watering, fertilizing, and tending the vine. However, just as some sort of framework is needed to help a vine grow, a trellis, so Christian ministries also need some structure and support. So consider, friends, how you can serve. The Christian life is like a race. Sometimes it's like a marathon. Sometimes it's like a relay race. The question we leave with is, how will you continue on in this race? How will you carry the baton? How will you seek to serve in the work of the gospel? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for yeah, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, we thank you for what Jesus has done. Lord, the work that he has done on the cross. Lord, how he has saved us, how he has redeemed us. Father, we think and pray for the work that he is continuing to do and the work that he is doing through his church in, in making your word known. 
Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be with us. Help us to take up the baton that someone has given us. Help us to preach the word. Help us to preach this in all seasons. Help us, Lord, to uh, be your hands and feet in the work of the gospel. Help us, we pray, by your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.